Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Brenda. Welcome to Conversational Counseling, where counseling and discipleship meet. But really pause and slow down and think about what Jesus is asking, what He's saying, how He moves towards people. In the Old Testament, the way we see God move towards His people over and over again. Because again, until we really know how to receive it from the Lord, we're not going to be able to let it flow through us to other people. Well, welcome back. This is uh, Season 3, Episode 2, where we're talking about personal ministry. And today we're going to kind of give a model of personal ministry. After our last episode, we recap. I want to do a little recap of our last episode where we talked about preparing our hearts for personal ministry. And Brenda, you recently returned from Israel, and so you're you're interjecting instead of firehosing us. You're interjecting uh, different lessons that you learned from your Israel trip. And I really loved the the metaphor that God prepares us in the wilderness. That it is the wilderness that is a is a place of preparation and um, equipping for personal ministry. Yeah. Well, I'm going to continue to try not to fire hose, but interject mm-hmm. a little bit more of that <laughs> in this lesson as well. But, um, you know, today we're really just going to be talking about a model for personal ministry and what are some of the, the elements um, that we find in the scriptures. And I think, you know, in our first um, uh, episode, we really tried to hit home that ministry is to us before it's through us. Mm-hmm. Um, and what has prepared us most, Alex, has not been great lessons and books and lectures and podcasts and sermons, although all of those are great. But it's the application of God's Word and through His Holy Spirit to our life, lived out um, in a way that's authentic and real in community, and that community, first of all, being our family. So um, if you haven't listened to it, go back because it's very foundational for what we're going to say next. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I'd like to go back to Israel for a moment, if you'll just go with me there, (laughs) to the ancient paths that we traveled, some of that were were as old as paths that Abraham actually walked on, which is pretty Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, and while we were in the desert, our guide, Marty, did this lesson on Jeremiah 616, and um, it was actually the first memory verse that I memorized when I got back. I'm I'm going to try to remember. I'm going to try to say it from memory now. Stand at the crossroads and no, I'm not going to be able to do it. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul. Very good. Thank you. I appreciate it. Gold star. Um, <laughs> well, the thing is, we know from the scriptures that Jesus is the path. As we begin to go along in the scriptures, we learn and we know that He's the good way, and He knows that He's the we know that He's the ancient of days, and He invites us to follow him. Now, um, you have to remember when we headed down into the desert, I had just gotten off a really nice air conditioned bus, and mm. the, the way we were on was this really nice new highway. Mm. <laughs> so it was quite the contrast in my mind because as I'm standing there at the ancient path in the desert, in the heat, with the dust and the sand, I'm remembering, wow, there was kind of a shortcut up there, and it seemed like an easier path. And honestly, that's the path I often prefer in my Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a reason 
reason why we need to consider the ancient path, not only because it provides rest for our souls, Alex, but it provides rest for the souls around us as well. So along the path, there's a lot of rocks. And of course, like I said, Israel is not so much like a flat land of desert, but it's more mountainous with a lot of rocks. And so there's all these little pebbles and you got to climb over and around. And even on the ancient roads, it's not like they're these, you know, smooth, just really smooth highways. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the rabbis call uh, all of these little rocks, big rocks, little rocks, they call them stones of stumbling. Mm. And um, they represent the hardships in our lives. Uh, but the thing that really makes the ancient path walkable, you look at the, the path and you think like, wow, how is it still here? Like, how did it get started? It got started because people started walking that path and more people came behind them and more people came behind them. And so, you know, what we really begin to to realize is that the path we take matters because mm-hmm. God has a path he wants us to follow but along those we walk that path not just for us we walk it for the people who are coming behind us mm-hmm. we're walking it so we can clear some of that rubble away so we can kick it off with our toes or throw it away with our hands or or understand how we're going to get over it or around it and so to me it was just a great lesson um and it was really interesting at the end of that lesson, one of the things I'll remember uh, for a long time is our our lecturer, our, our um, Marty, um, at the end, he stopped talking and he just starts taking off down the trail. Mm-hmm. And we're all just sitting there. And he starts just throwing rocks off the path and kicking them out of the way. And it took us a little while. like He had to get around the corner where we couldn't see him, that we realized that we were supposed to be behind him, that he was clearing the trail for us. Mm-hmm. And he wanted us to follow him and begin clearing the trail as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was a powerful lesson. And um, as we think about this idea of a model for personal ministry and how much our lives are impacted first, and then we begin to impact other people, can you think of a situation Situation, maybe a time in your life, a path that you've been called to walk, to follow the Lord, maybe a hard path, but you know somebody who's gone before you that has made it a little bit easier? Well, Brenda, that's you. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, so just think about it. I mean, you really, when we, when we think about um, women's ministry in Montgomery, specifically biblical counseling, you went ahead of all of us. And I distinctly remember... Um, not seeing you often, but running into you in some key places and having one or two burning questions that I just, I particularly remember after the first year of counseling. And you know, that first year is tough Mm -hmm. and you feel completely unequipped and you feel like you will be crushed under the weight of other people's stories and suffering. And I remember running into you at an event and I looked at you and I said, Brenda, does it ever get easier to carry this? And you said, yes, I promise you that the Lord is going to increase your faith muscles and increase your ability to hold other people's suffering. And so in so many key places, I just remember, whether it be specifically biblical counseling or women's ministry, like you placed a trail, not just for me, but for many other women to come behind and to, um, to, you did, you smoothed the path. You made it seem possible to minister within and outside our home, and you offered really some key encouragement and some key times. Oh, thank you, Alex. That really yeah. blesses me. I really, I didn't know she was going to say that. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's really true. sweet. Well, mm-hmm. thank you. And I too have 
people that have gone before me, whether it's in marriage or parenting or personal, you know, professional mm-hmm. ministry or just what, whatever. I think we can all think of those people. And mm-hmm. so we could say that what has happened in our lives is those people have ministered to us. Yeah. Um, and ministry is a beautiful word. You know, when we think about ministry, uh, one of the ways I like to look at, at it really is ministry is God's plan to bring peace to the chaos of the world one life at a time. And He uses us. He invites us to partner with Him. Mm. Um, and, you know, a lot of what's in chaos are relationships, our relationship with Him and our relationship yeah. with other people. Yeah. I think about several years ago, taking some classes with Westminster Seminary, and they continued to refer to us as ministers. And we even had to write reflection papers of what it meant to be ministers. And I was growing increasingly uncomfortable with that word being applied to me because I really did have a paradigm that minister meant pastor, it meant elder, and it meant man. And so as a woman, I I was really uncomfortable thinking of myself as a minister. And I really had to sit with the term for a long time and really think about what it means in the scriptures. First of all, the word minister, just the dictionary definition, means to attend to the needs of others. And so that gave me a little bit more comfort that, I mean, I'm attending to the needs of others right inside my own home, and I'm doing that in my friendships, and I'm doing that within my local church. So I grew a little bit more comfortable with the idea of a minister and then just remembering an old memory verse of mine, which is 1 Peter 2.9, talking about the fact that we are a royal priesthood and really recognizing that that royal priesthood is, is not just applying to men. Peter was not just talking to men and that I could really rest in the fact that it was okay to call myself a minister of the gospel mm-hmm. because... Um, because that's what God called me to be. And so um, we're described as disciples, we're described as saints, we're described as ministers, and we're also described, in another term I love is ambassadors of Christ, mm-hmm. that in 2 Corinthians 5, you know, that we're making an appeal. We're not just ministering to people's needs in the sense of physical needs, which is what we tend to think of first, but also spiritual needs. And the way that we do that is that we appeal to people to return to God. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 says. That is ambassadors, we appeal to someone to return to God. So we talk a lot about bring someone's story into God's story. Bring um, someone's actions into God's paradigms. And so we're, all, we're, we're always calling out to people um, and, and wanting to meet their physical needs, but also wanting to meet their spiritual needs. And their biggest spiritual need is to return to the God who created them. Mm. And I love that because I think we see in the scriptures clearly that that is God's appeal. Mm-hmm. Whether we're suffering or whether we're sinning, that God's appeal is return to me, return mm-hmm. to me, return to mm-hmm. me. I love you. I want you. You belong to me. Return to me. Yeah, it's great to think, too, Brenda, to go back to your ancient paths. Like, the ancient paths are going somewhere. Yeah. And they're They're they're, leading. They're leading (laughs) us somewhere. And and they're leading us back to God. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, I think... You know, the goal of this podcast series is really that we want to convince our listeners that they are ministers. They Mm -hmm. are ministers who are called to do personal ministry. And uh, we're going to be discussing something that, you know, we we call it biblical methodology for conversational counseling. Um, And our methodology is really going to flow from our theology, our understanding of who God is and how He ministers to us and how we see Him ministering to others. 
Yeah, and we want to be careful to say that we're giving a methodology, we're giving different elements of personal ministry, but we're not saying that there's one right way to do this. I know um, our mentor who trained us used to say there are a thousand biblical ways to skin a cat. Is that the way he used to say yeah. it? <laughs> and so there are a lot of right ways to do this. We're just trying to give some frameworks and some structures so that it doesn't seem so ambiguous when we talk about ministering. And um, we also want to make an emphasis not just on methodology, but also on the fact that we're specifically talking about personal ministry. And we're contrasting that with public ministry. We participate in the public ministry of the Word when we go to church on Sunday, maybe when we go to a Bible study. These are places where people gather to worship and hear the Word preached or taught. Personal ministry is going to happen in these one-on-one relationships where we are applying God's Word to our hearts first and then applying it to the person who is beside us. Yeah, and I was really thinking, um, I guess we really have three aspects of ministry. The private ministry is where God ministers to us, right? And then yeah. personal, we're ministering to others. And then public is, like we said, more of the the corporateness of ministry. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about a biblical methodology. And the only reason we have any confidence to say that is because the elements that we're going to talk about, we see in the Bible. Mm-hmm. We see the Trinity um, actually using all of these elements. And so we we really have a pattern that we can follow um, as we look to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And and to your point, we're not saying that, you know, as as this is gonna unfold, this isn't like do what yeah, do this first, do the second. We're gonna see that there's a lot of intermingling back and forth. But hopefully, when you begin to think about I, what I'm hoping this this series will do is kind of demystify, right? Um, this sense of like you have to know certain things, be trained maybe in a certain way. Like we're gonna we're just kind of kind of unfold that so we can have a clearer picture. Like this is work that God has given us to do because this is work that God Himself has done for us and shows us how to do. Right. So yeah. So we're we're looking in the scriptures. We're seeing. First, the heart of God towards us. We're seeing the ways that He ministers to us as individuals and applying that to other people and the means that He uses for how we walk with people. And so we see that in the Trinity. We see the Trinity um, intentionally engaging us as believers um, in very personal ways. So we see God the Father creating a home and promising to take us home with Him and that He's active in our lives from the time that He calls us until the time that He takes us home. He hears our prayers. He interacts with us. Uh, We see the Son. um, We see that Jesus came to our home. I love um, Eugene Peterson's translation in the message is that the Word became flesh and dwell and came to live in our neighborhood. Like Mm -hmm. He came to our homes. He pursued us. He showed us what it looks like to um, move towards people because He moved towards us first. He really is God with us. And then we see the Holy Spirit who makes His home in our hearts. We no longer have to go to the tabernacle or go to the temple to commune with God, but Jesus left us and He left us with the Spirit indwelling us. And so the Spirit is Um, God making His home with us. And so we see the Trinity interacting with us in these deeply personal and intentional ways. Mm -hmm. And I love the imagery of home, Alex. You know, looking Mm -hmm. at in each one of those each member of the Trinity, you really touched on the hominess, if I can if mm. I can say it that way. But if we think about how home is supposed to be, 
And I know mm-hmm. now all of our listeners have experienced this. And so Jesus is inviting them into a different view of home. A mm-hmm. home um, is a place where there's safety and belonging and provision and rest. And I think one of the really good questions we can ask ourselves is, are others at home with us? Mm-hmm. Are others at home with us? Um, mm-hmm. do, we, do we feel safe? Mm-hmm. Um, do people know that they're protected, that they belong, they can find rest if they spend time with us? And, you know, I also just think about maybe we can reflect, I would encourage everybody to reflect on maybe some people they see, um, that welcomingness, that hospitality of personhood, a person who is truly a hospital for sinners and sufferers, it'd be a great opportunity to go back and really um, tell them you you bless God for them mm-hmm. and that you're thankful for them. I think we've all been with people who who feel like they're at home with their with us. And um, one of the low lights of my parenting years, one of the saddest moments is when my daughter was about in the ninth or tenth grade at that time. And she was, you know, having some pretty what I'm gonna call normal ninth and tenth grade struggles and we weren't very happy with her. And I'll just never forget being in the kitchen. I can just see it in my mind's eye so clearly. And she's just crying. And she turns around and she looks mm. at me, Alex, and she said, This home is not a safe place to fail. Mm. Like it, it's 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 not home if it's not mm-hmm. a safe place to fail. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I just think that we want to be a safe place for people that when they come to us with their sin, we're not shocked. When they come to us with their mm-hmm. suffering, um, we want to bail because we're just overwhelmed. We want to be home. Mm-hmm. So I hope everybody will catch that vision. I want to read this quote because I think it sums up what you're saying, Brenda. This is Shauna Nyquist, and she says, People aren't longing to be impressed. They're longing to feel like they're home. If you create a space full of love and character and creativity and soul, they'll take off their shoes and curl up with gratitude and rest, no matter how small, no matter how undone, no matter how odd. I love that. I love that. (laughs) It's just this picture of a safe place to be who I am. Yeah, that's it. And the Lord comes to us just as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves us just the way we are, but too much to leave us that way. Thank the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, listen, let's talk about some of the elements in our model. Um, this is just a little overview of what this season's going to be like. We're going to talk about the ministry of presence. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, we're calling all of these ministries because really in a ministry, we're thinking about what is, um, how do we serve somebody else for their good mm-hmm. and for God's glory? So all mm-hmm. this, you know, how do we, how are we present for this person's flourishing their good and for God's glory? The ministry of listening. How can we listen in a way that's for their good and God's glory? The ministry of asking questions, the same thing. The ministry of words. Um, ministry misses, which that's kind of like where we miss it, and we'll talk more about that. And then, Alex, we're, we're hoping to have a few special guests on as well, uh, maybe to push some of this into uh, a little bit more practical areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know Malia's working on getting us some special people to talk to, and we're really excited about that. You know, as we thought about this structure, I was reminded through actually several different ways. I feel like the Lord brought the story of Hagar back to me and that it was just this great illustration of these um, different elements of presence and listening and asking questions and words. And so um, I was hoping we could read Genesis 16, um, 7 through 16, and just let's talk through the way that God himself engaged Hagar in these different ministries. Sure. I'm going to be reading from the NIV if anybody wants to follow along. So 
The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will become too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. So just a little context first. There are actually two accounts of Hagar fleeing, running away. And this is the first one. And this is when Sarah, who is unable to get pregnant and fulfill, uh, she's trying to fulfill the, the covenant or the promise that God gave her herself. And so she mm-hmm. takes matters into her own hands. Mm-hmm. And she asks for Abraham to go into um, Hagar's chamber and Hagar now finds out that she is about to have Abraham's child. And so Sarah becomes very cruel to her. And so she flees. And so the first thing we see is God visiting Hagar. And it says that the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water. Like we know that God knew where Hagar was. But the text is showing us, I think, is just is highlighting to us that God went to where she was to be with her. And we see this ministry of presence, that Hagar is distraught, and she is trying to get away from everyone, and, and the Spirit of God is pursuing her to be mm-hmm. with her in that place. And then we see the ministry of questions, because God asks Hagar two questions. Where are you coming from and where are you going? Those are big questions, even for all of us to answer and for us to be able to engage other people with. But the Lord is pursuing Hagar. It's very intentional to get her to be able to articulate to him. Again, does God know the answer to these questions? Mm. Of course he does. But Mm. he is doing something in Hagar's heart that's really important. And so he's pursuing her with questions. And then we see... mm -hmm. I was going to read the rest of it, if that's okay, because I I didn't actually get all the way through it. But Mm -hmm. one thing I did want to add is um, just the whole idea is we go through here and we think about God's presence. I Mm -hmm. want us to notice that part of His presence is His protection and His provision Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. You know, He's providing and He's protecting, and we're going to be talking more about that um, when we on our next podcast. Because you have a very distinct picture in your mind of the desert that she's in. Yeah, because water in the wilderness. um, In Israel, the wilderness is not like Tennessee wilderness. It is desert. It literally Mm -hmm. means every time that, you know, somebody goes in the wilderness, it's the desert. Um, Mm -hmm. That was very disorienting for me in my Western South, um, Mm -hmm. Southeast Mm -hmm. mindset. All right, let me just finish reading this because I, as you go on to these uh, next points, I want everybody to hear what's happening. Mm -hmm. He will be a wild donkey of a man, his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And that is why the well was called these names I cannot pronounce. So Hagar <laughs> bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the na- him the name Ishmael um, to the son she'd born. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Mm, so I think we see here this testimony of Hagar that that God is a God who listens. Again, um, he doesn't have to listen to know. He already knows. But he's asking these questions, and then he's listening to Hagar. And we know that because she says, you are the God who's seen me. You are the God who knows me. And she 
names God. I think if I'm I think I'm correct in saying that this is the first person who names God in scripture. Mm. Up until this point, God has told us his names, but she mm. names God as the God who sees. And then um, God names her son, God hears. So she gives testimony that God hears her, and then God actually gives her this constant reminder in the name of her son that God has heard her. And Mm. so she has felt fully seen and fully known, and good listening does that. And then we see this ministry of words because he begins to tell her what's going to happen. Now, some of it's not comforting. Like he's going to be a wild donkey of a man, <laughs> right? I mean, but he, but she feels so seen and she feels so known mm-hmm. through the things that God has told her and the way that He's pursued her that it put courage in her heart to return to Sarah mm-hmm. and Abraham and to have this child. And so throughout this whole account, we just see God being so intentional in His pursuit of Hagar through His presence through asking questions and listening to her, and by giving her words that put courage into her heart to return to a place of suffering. Hmm. That's a powerful text, Alex. I was thinking about the questions, too, how so often you know, the Bible asks questions of us, not because God doesn't know, but because God wants us to examine our own hearts mm-hmm. and to know ourselves. Um, and to your words, to your point, I mean, there are words in Scripture that are hard for us to read. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God is completely extravagantly loving, but He's also just. <laughs> and um, and you know, I just think that we have to be rooted and grounded in the fact that we we know that we are seen, that we know that we are loved, that mm-hmm. we are in the beloved to keep us. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be great if we would go through Scripture really looking for these elements with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Like, where do we really see the presence of the Trinity show up? And how is that presence manifested? And then what kind of questions does God ask of His people or Jesus ask? We're going to be talking more about that, um, you know, just the the questions Jesus asked when we get to that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, listening, you know, that God speaks to us, and um, I'm sorry, God hears us when we're crying mm-hmm. out to Him. Uh, and then where do we see, you know, specific commandments or words of encouragement or words of comfort um, in the ministry of words that God gives to us. And that's going to all be very instructive for us as Mm. we move forward with each podcast to talk about Mm. what we're calling a method with these particular four elements. Yeah. And so each one of these elements in in this model of personal ministry, we would say that they're simple, but they're not easy. So Mm -hmm. before we got on here, Zachary's talking to us about his son, who's a toddler. (laughs) And, and, his son is able to be present. His son is able to ask questions and listen and give words. Um, <laughs> these are simple things, right, um, that even a toddler can do. But what we want to emphasize is that there is a great degree of skill that we can develop um, as we um, seek the Lord for wisdom and discernment and that to ask to, um, have the, to bring the right kind of presence to ask the the right pertinent heart-piercing question in the right way, to listen well, and then to know what words to speak of challenge or comfort or cheer. Like these things are not always easy to do because um, we often, I think we underestimate how difficult it can be to do these things well in the right time and in the right way. 
Mm-hmm. When I was thinking about Zachary's little boy, I think he's you know about twenty twenty two months, and he's in the back seat of the car. He simply folds his hand. He mumbles, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> "Amen," and we all think it's cute, you know, and cheer him on. But it's not quite that easy because not everybody's going to think it's quite that cute if we show up and we're just bumbling around. And mm-hmm. so, you know, um, I, I think that there is value in learning skill. But I think what we want to say is that nothing will replace your personal relationship with Jesus yes. or equip you to do conversational counseling that is biblically informed and spirit-led than having an ongoing, vibrant relationship with the Lord where we acknowledge His presence, where we go to Him in prayer and dependence and have Him listen to us, where we allow the Bible to read us and ask the tough questions and mm-hmm. God's people to come into our lives and then really begin to know what it is that God is calling us to and actually step out in faith and obedience in those areas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think that as we're, we're looking at this, um, there is just even a part of me as we started the season, I thought, oh, in some ways, this method, when you just say it, it's like, uh, duh. But then having walked this out for all of these years with people, just really realizing that I am a much different counselor mm-hmm. to anybody I have a conversation with right now than I was five years, 10 years, 15, and 20 years ago. And part of it is because there are some skills that I have come to learn um, and put into practice that have been very, very helpful. And I think when you when we put our effort, like we God is looking for partners. And mm-hmm. so when we take the skills that God has given to us and show us, and we put that with the Holy Spirit and dependence and reliance on Him, then God is really pleased to show up and do something powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love your challenge, Brenda, and I hope people will take it to heart to just as you're spending time in the Word in the next couple of weeks, just to really look for the ways that God does these things and really think about think about Jesus and the Gospels and His interactions, just the, um, the intricacy, even the complexity of some very simple, fast exchanges that we read in Scripture that we kind of breeze through, but really pause and slow down and think about what Jesus is asking, what He's saying, how He moves towards people. In the Old Testament, the way we see God move towards His people over and over again. And just be looking for that, just develop an awareness of that in Scripture. Because again, until we really know how to receive it from the Lord, we're not going to be able to let it flow through us to other people. Yeah, I think one of my favorite Scripture verses is Acts 4.13. It resonates so much with me. It's just the verse that says, um, When they saw the courage of Peter and John, the people, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, (laughs) they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that's our point, is just it's going to be spending time with the Lord um, in His words, studying Him, studying God the Father, studying the Holy Spirit, and then asking the Lord to take all of these elements and um, push them into our lives where we can really minister to serve others in a way that shows them that we love them, Mm -hmm. shows them, more importantly, that God loves them. Mm -hmm. Um, When we glorify God, that's what we're doing. We're showing up and showing other people how much God loves them. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to do with um, personal ministry. Yeah. Well, we are unschooled, ordinary women (laughs) who I hope have spent time with Jesus, but we are particularly unschooled and ordinary in the ways of technology and organization. And so 
<laughs> We're thankful for Malia and for Zachary for helping us in these ways and Amen. for um, making this podcast have the quality that it does. And we hope that um, that you will not only listen, but you'll sign up for the emails and join the Facebook page. And like we said, continue the conversation through social media. Great. We'll see you guys next time. For visuals and discussion questions for this podcast, sign up at knownministries.org. Because we learn better together, we'd love for you to share this podcast with others and gather to discuss it. If you take a moment to like, follow, subscribe, and rate this podcast, it'll help tremendously. We'd love to connect on social at Known Ministries. This podcast is made possible by engineer and producer Zachary Tate Smith, executive producer Malia Smith, and generous donors. The information presented is for the enjoyment of all and is not intended as either medical advice or counseling, nor is it specific to any particular individual. It is not intended to replace counseling, medical care, or professional advice. Please contact 911 if you're having an emergency.